0: hello welcome back to the wire podcast i am your host ryan mccrary and today i can't wait to talk about the first game of the nfl season which happened on thursday two days ago i'm also going to talk about the playoffs we we had a game seven in the boston Toronto series, uh, we also had the Clippers Nuggets game five. That was a crazy game I'm gonna talk about all uh, all three of those games. I'm also gonna talk about some news and they just broke uh, Within the hour it's been it, it's, it's been a crazy week uh, so far. I meant to put this out yesterday, but I Got busy with schoolwork. I'm in college, so I'm I'm pretty busy But yeah, and I know it's been a while since y'all see my face uh, if you're watching on YouTube because we've had some technical difficulties in the last few times. It's been, du- it's been tough deal- dealing with technology. But let's go ahead, waste no time, get into it. I am in a different place. I'm in my grandmother's house, so the lighting might be weird. But let's work through it. I want to talk about the Chiefs-Texas game, which was... Uh, it wasn't ex- super exciting. There wasn't a ton of scoring from both sides. However, it was a very interesting game, in my opinion. Because of the performance of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Or Elair, I forget the H is silent. Uh, in this game, Clyde had twenty-five carries, one hundred and thirty-eight rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown. Um, he was awesome in this game. He was really, really good, um, and everyone knew that he was going to be a really, really good fantasy option. Everyone had their eyes on him because he was ranked in the top ten um, among among all um, all NFL players in terms of fantasy. Um, and and he I mean he just he was so good at LSU last year. He got drafted by the Chiefs with the thirty-second pick in the draft. Um mean he came in and he showed that he's a stud last night. Now I know the Texas defense isn't great. I completely understand that, and that's a fact. Their defense is not very good, uh, but I was still very impressed by what I saw from him. Um, I mean the Texas the Texas defense was just. Awful, and even worse than I ever thought. I mean, they were they, they were missing tackles. Um, they couldn't stop the run or the pass. They were just overall just pitiful against the Chiefs, and that's kind of to be expected. But they they were like a whole nother level of bad. Um, I mean, they, there were there were plays where uh, Alaire was like not even he wasn't even getting touched. Uh, Up to the line of scrimmage. And he had humongous holes to run through. And that just can't happen. Because Clyde. Although he isn't very explosive. And he's small. He's super, super quick. And agile. And shifty. So he's going to hit you with a juke. And create space. And just just get you off of him. um, With his agility. Um, And that's really how he causes damage. In the run game. I was surprised that he had zero catches, and I don't even know if he had a target. No, he did have a target, uh, but it was like a screen. It was like the play was dead. It wasn't going to happen. Like nothing was going to come out of it, Uh, but he really didn't get any like legitimate targets in the game. It It was pretty crazy because that's one of his bigger strengths. He's a great route runner. Um, That was kind of what he, one of the, one of the primary reasons why he was drafted so high is because he was an elite route runner and pass catcher in college. And we just didn't see much, much, we didn't see much of that from him um, in Thursday night's game, which was interesting. Uh, but he had 25 rushes, and that's pretty insane, 25 rushes. And on Thursday night, the Chiefs had 34 total carries. So I went and looked at Dame, like, what, what was the most carries Damian Williams got in the game last year. And so, he, in a game against the Titans last season, Damian Williams had 19 carries. That was the most amount of carries he had gotten in one game um, all, all year long last, se- last season. Or at least in the regular season, I didn't look in the playoffs. In um, that game, the, the Chiefs had a total, like for the, for the team, had 25 total carries. And Clyde matched that last night. Now, my one question about Clyde coming into the year was if he was going to get the necessary volume to be like a legitimate fantasy option. Yeah, he, he definitely is going to get the volume, especially if he's going to have that kind of volume um, that he, did, that he get, did against Texans consistently. Because he had 25 carries. That's a lot for a Chiefs running back, especially considering that they run a pass-heavy offense with Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I was surprised to see him get 25 carries. Um, I was really, really shocked. They ran the ball a lot, the Chiefs did. I mean, they ran the clock all the way down to like the final seconds all, all game long. Um, they didn't score a lot, like, I mean, they scored 34 points, which is a lot. But I w- they didn't really score um, all that often because they were running the ball so much. And that was, that was very surprising to me. Um, I, I will say this game was a little boring because the Chiefs were running the ball so much. Um, so there weren't, there weren't a lot of big plays, there weren't a lot of like, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw like three bombs in this game, uh, but it, it's, it's interesting to see the Chiefs run um, so much, because if they're going to be able to run the ball eff- effectively all year long, now they're not going to be able to run the ball like they did against the Texans, because not every team is that poor defensively. But if they're going to be able to run the ball effectively, that makes their offense way more versatile, and it's going to make their offense just better overall. And they're going to be un- unstoppable offensively if Clyde is going to be that effective. Um, <clears throat> I will say the Chiefs' defense surprised me too. They played extremely well, especially the rookie Sneed. He had an interception. It was an easy interception, but still, nonetheless, it was an interception. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson was trying to trying to make a big play happen. Um, he held on to the ball too long. Tyron Matthew hit him as he threw it, and Snead got a free pick. But Snead had a good game. All, all. Like he he just played really really well in that game. Um, he played really well outside the numbers. Um, and Casey put a ton of pressure on Deshaun Watson. That was a huge thing I noticed. Um, well, it's not. It wasn't hard to notice. Like Deshaun Watson was running around like a chicken with its head cut off the entire game, because his offensive line is terrible. And Titus Howard, God bless him, because he struggled in that game. And, I mean, Titus Howard is a great offensive tackle. That's fine. Um, but Bill O'Brien's got to help him out, because he was leaving him on an island against Frank Clark all game. And you just can't do that. Um, that's not acceptable. And, and just time after time, Frank Clark was beating him outside and putting pressure on, pressure on Deshaun Watson. I'm sitting there watching the game like, okay, are we going to see any adjustments? Because at this point, you're going to have to put two guys on Frank Clark or make some sort of adjustment because Titus Howard cannot handle his assignment. You got to make adjustments. Miller Bryan didn't. That was disappointing to see. And Deshaun Watson... Looked miserable out there. I, and I honestly wonder if he regrets signing an extension right now. Because after that game, he's got to be thinking, like, dude, like, what are y'all doing out here? Like, w- this is a terrible supporting cast. You're not putting the pieces around me that are necessary to win games. I wonder if he's like, maybe I shouldn't have signed an extension. Um, I do want to talk about Casey's offense. A little bit more outside of Clyde, you know, Mahomes was really good. He had two, uh, he he, threw, he completed 24 out of 32 passes, had 211 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, with a QBR of 90 and a 123.3 passer rating. He was good. Uh, they didn't throw the ball, like, a ton down the field. They didn't have a ton of big plays. Uh, but watching what they were able to do in the run game and the pass and what their defense did, I was really, really impressed. And now, now we know the Texans are just not in the Chief's atmosphere in terms of talent um, and how good they are, uh, which we already knew. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm feel like the consensus should have been that the Texans were not a great team uh, heading into that game. And now we know. now, now everything's confirmed. The Texans are going to probably be pretty bad. Um, they do miss the Andre Hopkins a ton. Um, there were a lot of drop balls. Um, they don't really have anybody where you can trust them in a contested situation. Where like if they're being double teamed, they don't really have anybody who can who can just make a play on the ball and win that battle um, when they're double teamed. They just don't have have anybody like that. Um, and they did with DeAndre Hopkins, and now that he's gone, they just don't really have any reliable target on the team. Um, and and like Brandon Cooks didn't play much in that game. Like he didn't. I think he. I don't even know if he played at all in the second half. Um, and so that trade looks really bad. The second round. Them trading a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. That lo- that looks really bad right now. Um, I will say David Johnson. He had his moments, um, but he he's not going to be good enough um, unless he just per- just performs super well all year. Uh, I don't think he's going to be good enough to you know. Um, make up for what they lost in that Hopkins trade. And so now we're, we're seeing the results of everything that Bill O'Brien has done over the offseason, and it looks bad. Um, they're going to be pretty bad. You know, last podcast, me and Thomas, we talked about each division. We had the Texans finishing third, and it looks like that might happen. They just they don't, they just don't have the supporting cast necessary to win, like I said earlier. Um, Deshaun Watson just has very little protection, um, doesn't have any reliable targets. Like, his, his 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 most reliable target is, like, either David Johnson or, um, like, uh, Aikens. And who's the other tight end? They have a few tight ends, but I don't, I'm not a huge huge believer in Will Fuller. Brandon Cook struggled last year. He's been dealing with concussions. Um, I didn't realize Brandon Cooks was 26 years old. I thought he was closer to 30. Like, I actually thought he was 31. Uh, but he's a younger guy, but he's been dealing with concussions. He was not very good last year. Um, it's a rough situation in Houston, and I feel bad for Texans fans. I, I really, really do. Because um, they're in a very, very, very rough spot right now with their team, um, and they've got a lot of improvements to make. All right, let's talk about Clippers Nuggets, Game 5. What an amazing game. Actually, both playoff games last night were really, really good. And, and entertaining. Both came down to the wire. Uh, Clippers Nuggets uh, Nuggets actually stole game five. They forced game six. They won 111 to 105. Um, and it didn't turn, like, the start of this game was not really good for the Nuggets. Uh, the Clippers got out to a big lead. Kawhi was killing the Nuggets. Um, he was dominant to start. Um, he was really dominant all game, but to start off, I mean, he was on fire. The Clippers were forcing turnovers, putting pressure on the Nuggets, and they got out to a big lead. Um, and the Clippers were ahead by a lot for a majority of the game. And then in the second half, things clicked. Martin Moore started playing well off the bench. They started attacking Montres Harrell, and Lou Williams and pick and rolls. And that's what got the Nuggets started. Um, that's when the comeback um, started, and the Nuggets were just punishing the Clippers every every play, just running pick and rolls with Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray was hitting hitting shots off the dribble, um, and, and the Nuggets started climbing back. And at some point, they made a close game and kept getting closer and closer and closer. They're just tipping away at the lead, um, and they took the lead in the second half, which was surprising because the Clippers were dominant in the first half. Um, And they looked like they should. Uh, One thing, it's been really weird watching the Clippers because they're the most talented team in the league. They have the most star power, or not the most star power, um, because the Lakers have that title. But they have star power, and they have depth, and they have shooting. And, I mean, they they just have everything you need to win a title. They have multiple guys who can create their own shot. Um, Like, everything the Raptors were last year, the Clippers are just a little bit better at the top um and so I I mean that's why I picked the Clippers to win the NBA fight and to win the NBA championship before the season started and like right before the playoffs and so it's been weird watching them play they're really inconsistent when they're when they when they are on and everything clicks the Clippers are awesome and they're the best team in the league but it's they're just so inconsistent and part of the reason why is because, like, Lou Williams and Montez Harrell haven't been great in the playoffs. And the same can be said about Paul George. Paul George has been up and down. Um, you know, he played well last night. He had 26 points, I believe. Let me see. Uh, yeah, he had 26 points. Um, the efficiency wasn't great. The shooting splits uh, weren't, weren't super impressive. Uh, but he hit he, he some big shots in that game. Um, and He showed up in Game 5. But you don't always get that. And he's had a lot of games in the playoffs, especially against Dallas, where he's just missing shots, you know, turning the ball over, making bad passes. And so you see the Clippers play like their best in the first half, but then the second half rolls around and everything falls apart. And that's why I'm like, man, this team may not win the finals. They may not win the title this year because they're just so inconsistent. And I kind of feel that way with a lot of teams. The Lakers right now are starting to click. Uh, but I see there's some major issues with their roster. Like, they're, they're, they have so much talent at the top. They got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's, that's incredible. Um, that star power is rare. And, but they have very little depth. Uh, for a while, their point guard spot looked awful. Now, Rondo's been playing pretty well. Um, but they have very little depth. Their third-best player is Kyle Kuzma, um, but he's not a great third option. And their shooting has been really inconsistent in the playoffs. And so I see issues with them. Um, and it, there, there's a lot of teams that are in a similar situation to the Clippers where they're, they, they, have, they have everything they need to win the title. <laughs> they're just, like, really inconsistent, and they have some major flaws. Um, and I think those flaws... Um, were huge in this game that got exploited. Um, two of them being Lou Williams and Montes Harrell. They are not good defenders. We knew that. Harrell's a solid defender. Lou Williams is not. And they punished those guys in the pick and roll. Um, and the Nuggets just went after the, nugget, after the Clippers' weaknesses in the half court. Um, they were just spamming pick and roll. Jamal Murray was hitting shots off the dribble. It was great to see. Um, Jokic played well as, as, also, um, I can't, I can't just gloss over him and his performance. He played well too. Uh, but Murray, he, he came through at the end of the game, towards the end, he was hitting some shots, um, and he was a big, he was the primary reason why the Nuggets got back in this game. I do want to talk about Michael Ford Jr. Now, he got into some hot water this week because he had a press conference, and in that press conference, he made a co- like, he was asked... By a reporter. I forgot what the question was, but it was mainly about their offense and who has the ball a majority of the time. Like, like Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic having the ball the majority of the time. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. answered it. Uh, he started it like, you know, that's the coach's decision, which is fine. He should have stopped there. But he kept going, and he was like, I just feel like we need to get more players involved. You know, Murray and Jokic have the ball in their hands all the time, but we got to get more players involved, and we're not doing that. Now, is he wrong? No. Uh, but, you know, you can't... If you're trying to compete for a championship and you're in the playoffs, you do not need a young guy going to the media and complaining about your game plan. It's just a bad look. Um, and he's young. Like, I'm sure they got some veterans in that locker room. Um, and they got a good coaching staff. I'm sure they cleared that out. Uh, but, yeah. you. It's, it's not like a like a huge, like, oh, my God. He's, like... You should get cut. No, and no, there's nothing like that. But that is something you got cl- to make, make sure it's clear with MPJ. Like, dude, you can't say stuff like that to the media. You got to leave that in the locker room. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were like, well, it's just speaking his mind. Everyone complains when players give, like, these cliche answers. And that's true. But, like, if you've ever played a sport... And like that, you do not need that situation where a player is complaining to the media. That's just not, that's not healthy for the locker room, not healthy for the morale uh, of a team, especially when you're trying to win a title. Um, so after that, he came in Game 5 and was terrible. It was just or not terrible. He, he was a non-factor for the whole game until the final minute. And with, like, a minute to go... Uh, the Nuggets were up 102 to 100, and there was, like, 11 seconds left on the shot clock. Michael Porter Jr. gets the ball in the corner and shoots a three, and it's, like, like it's the ultimate, no, 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 oh, yes, 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 three, like, the, like it's crazy, and I'm, like, what are you doing? Why are you shooting the three? You got time on the shot clock. You can run down the clock a little bit more and get a, a much better shot. Uh, but the shot went in. It was huge. He hit like the biggest shot of the game. Uh, and then the next possession, he block. He comes up with a huge block on Zubac at the rim. Blocks his shot. Clippers don't get points. The Nuggets come down. They take. They uh, get more points. Go up 107-100. The game's over. They win. They force a game six. It was crazy. Um, and I, I mean, it was wild because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both. Uh, Showed up. Um, They played very, very well. And when both of those guys show up and play at a high level, you're usually going home. Um, But that didn't happen last night. Nuggets forced a game six. That'll be interesting. I honestly forgot uh, what I had predicted for this series because I did have this series happening. Um, But I I forgot what I predicted. Oh, well. Mm. I'll have to go back and look and see. I'll be interested because I, I, don't think I, did, I don't think I said five games. I think I said six, uh, but I might be wrong. Now, let's talk about Toronto, uh, the, the Raptors-Celtics game seven because that was awesome. I was looking forward to this, uh, Created some DFS lineups for the game. Didn't win any money. So sad. Uh, but it was a, a good game. Really interesting because <laughs> no one at all, like no one shot the ball well. Um, at all in this game, um, but we had some guys that came through. And on that stage, I mean, I know it's a, a different situation Where they're in the bubble. There's no fans, um, so you don't have, and there's no home court advantage. So it's to, it's like a totally different situation uh, than what we're used to. However, we saw some very good performances, mainly by Boston's young guys. Jason Tatum, he was awesome in this game. Uh, the, the shooting splits, like I mentioned earlier, they weren't good because no one shot the, the ball well. However, he, he came through. Had twenty nine points in this game. Jalen Brown, he had twenty one. Um, both of those guys were awesome, um, and they came through when Boston needed it. Because not a lot of not a lot of guys had great games. Uh, because in, in in game seven, defenses get tighter. Um, the pressure is just turned up to a hundred, and so. You're not going to be able to get easy shots in a game seven. Um, like it's a, it's a win-or-go-home situation, so guys are going to be going all out in that game. Um, and so th- that's no surprise. But, I mean, it was just huge to see Jason Tatum play the way he played with the expectations that we have um, as the NBA community. And I, for one, have huge expectations of Jason Tatum, uh, and he, he came through. Um, and he played. He played like he's supposed to in a game seven. He played like a star, um, and 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 I think he's. Ta- I think he's got star talent, and so it was awesome to see him play the way he did. Uh, Van Vliet, he had a big game, hit some big shots off the dribble. One guy I want to talk about is Pascal Siakam. We gotta talk about him and have the Pascal Siakam conversation. I feel like every podcast I'm just like having. Um, ex-player like an ex-player conversation. Um, Pascal Siakam is a great player. He's awesome. He um, played super well in the regular season. I believe he averaged like 26 points per game this year. Um, with the with Kawhi Leonard leaving uh, for the Clippers, there was gonna there was like some lofty expectations of Pascal Siakam. It, like he needed to turn into that number one scoring option. And I know I had questions about him uh, in that role. Like, was he going to be successful? And he was in the regular season. He was awesome. He was great. Um, I mean, he he led the the Raptors to the two seed, and you know he was really really good. Now the playoffs came around, and everything changed. And he just he's been he has not been very good in the playoffs, mainly because his his decision making in the half-court offense, has been terrible. Um, he's not hitting shots, turning the ball over, just, he's, he's taking bad shots. It's, it, it's been it's been bad. Uh, and he, he had another one of those games where he just underperforms, and he didn't come through in Game 7. Now, he's got to get a lot better as a self-creator, um, because he's not a dominant enough, lo- like, scorer around the basket um, to make up for what, what he lacks as a self creator, so over the off season, I would just love to see Siakam become a better self creator, be, develop as a off the dribble shooter. Um, if he does that, uh, we can see a different a different Siakam in the playoffs next year. Uh, but until he does that, there, there's like a the ceiling is here when it could be like up here. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I just want to see him get better, improve as a shooter as a shot creator, uh, because if he does that, he, he, he can be a really, really special player, and he can, take, he can take that next step towards being a legitimate star. And right now, I just don't know if he's ready for that. You know, player stars are made in the playoffs. Um, and so that, that's where everything, that's where like, I like to make, um, that, that's, I, I take a lot into consideration. I take the like the playoffs are huge in my opinion. Um, and so I think how players perform in the playoffs is um, huge. And, um, and, you know, I take, it, I take that into consideration when I'm, like, ranking players and judging players. And so I'd just like to see Siakum come back next year, uh, be, be a better shot creator, and I'd like to see him perform at a higher level in the playoffs next year. But that's all he's got to do because in the playoffs, um, you know, you've got to be able to create your own shot in the half-court offense, especially at his size, um, and with him not being a dominant uh, scorer around the basket, like I mentioned earlier, um, he's got to get better shooting from the perimeter. So that's something I'd like to see him improve. Um, but I do like, shout-out to the Raptors, and like, shout-out to them for everything they accomplished this season. With the loss of Kawhi Leonard, who I believe is the best player in the NBA, there were a lot of questions, um, or at least I had a lot of questions about this team, Heading into this year, um, I had them as the four seed, uh, before the, se- the season started, and the main reason why I had them falling a bit is because, you know, they lost the best player in the NBA, and I just didn't know if Pascal Siakam could be the number one scoring option on this team, and if he was going to be reliable in that role. Turns out, he was, um, uh, and, you know, it- he didn't perform well in the playoffs, we know that, but, um... Uh, like they, the Raptors just uh, did some great things this year, especially without having a superstar on their team. Um, they they finished second in the conference. They were awesome. And they finished second, and they dealt with a ton of injuries during the regular season. And so what they did was impressive. Nick Nurse was amazing, and he, he won Coach of the Year, which he deserved. Um, and they just did a lot of great things. Even in the playoffs, they battled. Uh, they beat the Nets, um, and, and they battled with the Celtics. And I was impressed uh, with what they did because the Celtics should have won this, this series in five games, um, especially after the start. Um, they, their shot creation gave the, the Raptors some issues. Marcus Smart played super well. Um, and I thought this series was going to be over quickly. It wasn't. The Raptors battled. Kyle Lowry, shout-out to that guy. He may not be the most talented point guard in the league, but there's no one I want to root for more than Kyle Lowry. I mean, that guy, he leaves it all out on the floor every single game. He takes charges. He takes the big shots. He's not, like, with the game on the line, he's not afraid to have the ball in his hands. And he, I mean, I already had a lot of respect for him before the series. I have a heck of a lot more respect for him now. He was incredible. And, I mean, I just... You don't see a lot of players built like Kyle Lowry, and I mean, he's honestly probably uh, their best player, in my opinion, especially after what I saw from this playoff run, what I saw from him. Uh, Kyle Lowry is a stud, and <laughs> that guy is special, and I don't know if this is the end of this of this Raptors team. You know, Van Vliet's in free agency. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, if he stays, if the Raptors are going to be able to you know, keep this group around. I hope they are because they do have a special, a special team and a special roster. They just need that one superstar who can, who can push them over the top. Um, and you know, Kawhi Leonard left a big hole, and they're going to they're gonna have a hard time filling that hole, uh, but they can. And, hey, you never know. We may see Kawhi Leonard come back in 2021. Who knows what will happen? Uh, but that was a great series and and a great year for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, I I was just impressed by what I saw from them. Um, I do want to talk about the end of that game. Um, you know, it was crazy. It came down to the wire and at the end, Grant Williams got fouled. He had, he had the chance to hit some free throws to go up four points. He missed both. And on the fourth missed free throw or on the second missed free, free throw to go up four, um, Jason Tatum got the rebound, and he got fouled. He hits both free throws, which was huge to go up four points. And f- uh, Fred Van Vliet came down, next possession, just threw up a prayer of a shot. It wasn't even close, um, and the Celtics won. Uh, Shout-out to Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka for coming through in this game off the bench. They scored 25 points combined. They were awesome. Um, and that was the end of the Raptors' season. The Celtics move on. It will be interesting to see uh, if they're able to, take, to knock, knock off the Heat and to eliminate the Miami Heat in, in the conference finals. That's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, but I will go ahead and make my prediction for that series. I have the Heat winning in, I want to say, five games because although the, the Celtics have a lot of shot creators, I just don't know if like Tatum is ready for that challenge and he's going cause I, I think in this series, Tatum is gonna have to be a dominant scorer off the dribble, um, and he's gonna have to take his game to the next level um, to to knock off the Miami Heat, cause the Heat are honestly probably playing the best out of any team in the playoffs. Um, so I'm gonna say Heat in six, um, because I think the Celtics are they're better constructed to um, to, uh, to battle the Heat than the Bucks were. And so I'm going to go Heat in six. Wouldn't be surprised if they won in five games. Uh, but I think the, the Heat this year are basically what the Raptors were last year. J- but just their best player is, is, wor- is a little bit worse than Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but he can, he can, feel, he can play that same, the same role that Kawhi Leonard did for, uh, for the Raptors. He can do that same thing for the Heat. But yeah, I got the Heat winning in six games in the conference finals. That series is going to be a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to be watching that a lot. Um, but, okay, so to finish off the podcast, I want to talk about uh, some news uh, that, was, that was just released in the last, like, hour, I believe. Let me see, the last hour, I think so. Um, uh, uh, wow, I can't speak. Alvin Kamara and Dalva Cook both just uh, signed Extinctions. Alvin Kamara's is for $15 million a year. Now, let me actually look this up. Let me look up the contracts. Let's go to uh, Ian Rappaport. And we'll see what these deals are looking like. So, um, oh, and Cooper Cup, uh, He reached an agreement on a three-year $48 million deal. All, that's awesome for him. That dude's a really, really good receiver. That's awesome. Um, okay, so Alvin Kamara got, he signed a five-year $75 million extension. He gets $77.133 million overall and a $15 million signing bonus. Um, that's awesome. Uh, also for him, and then Dalvin Cook signed a five-year, sixty-three million-dollar extension um, with twenty-eight million dollars guaranteed. Uh, now, I don't like the Kamara deal for the Saints because they're in a tough salary cap situation, and I think it would just be better for them if they let Kamara go, and, um, and and like drafted a rookie running back this year. Like, what if they could get Travis at the end? For, and for a lot cheaper than they would get than they would get for a Camara. Like, I think that would be a smarter move and that would be a, a smart decision. Um, I get wanting to keep Camara like and then me not me thinking that they shouldn't keep Camara is not because I, I think Camara is not talented. It's not an issue with talent. It's just an issue with managing your salary cap. Um, that's all it is because Camara is a stud. He is a beast. This is not about his talent at all. Um, And I just think it would be smarter, um, like, dealing with your salary cap if you just let him go and bring in a rookie running back on a small contract. Uh, For the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, if Cook can stay healthy, I like the contract. Uh, But that's that's a bit of an issue. He's talented, um, and I think he's a big part of that Vikings offense. And they're not in salary cap hell right now like the Saints are. Um, so I actually like this deal better for them than I do the Camaro deal for the saints. But yeah, so those are three contracts that have been announced. Um, shout out to those guys for getting paid. You know, <laughs> I love to see athletes get paid. That's awesome. So shout out for them. But that's going to do it for this podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this. I hope y'all are enjoying your Saturday college football, um, is back for the power five. I'm going to watch a lot of college football today. I hope y'all, uh, I hope y'all are staying safe. Um, just I hope y'all have I hope y'all have a good weekend watching college football, watching the NFL. Stay safe, and I'll see y'all next time. Peace.